millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. Today, we have a, a really important episode, I feel, for helping those of you who have been through the situation of having a toxic parent whilst you have children of your own, and that parent has then moved forward to apply for access to your children, which is a very stressful situation, a very toxic situation, something that I have a very small and brief experience of, but my mum never actually progressed through it. So today I've brought onto the podcast Alicia Newton, who has been through the process. She won her court case last week. And yeah, she's going to chat to us about the process and give some reality to the experience. Hi, Alicia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you feeling? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It feels yeah. like it's a really heavy topic to it talk about. Is. <laughs> yeah. It's not heavy for me to talk about, but it's one that I don't often talk about because, I mean, who wants to say that they're going mm. through court with their mom? And I don't speak about it to my family because I don't want them to feel like I'm trying to pull sides or pull mm. rank or anything. I just leave it to me, basically, or my friends. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a really difficult one. And I think it's something that there's quite a lot of fear around. I know we got a solicitor's letter from my mum saying that she was going to take us to court. And we'd kind of um, initially like the panic. But for us, we were fortunate enough to have a solicitor ourselves and to say, you know, actually, let's look at the law and the reality of this. And I have quite detached with things like legal proceedings like I feel like I can kind of come away from it a bit look at the actual law in a black and white not put the emotion into it and say actually she's not got a leg to stand on there and this is why backing it up with the evidence so for me we wrote back to her and it was just a case of you're not going to get anywhere but knock yourself out kind of thing and she didn't choose to proceed with it 
I presume because her solicitor will have told her, yeah, like, you know, it's not going to happen here. But you can never guarantee that that's going to be the case. And it's so intimidating and frightening as a parent. So can you give us a little bit of background as to how you got to this point? You mentioned to me before we started recording that you'd been no contact for about two years. Yeah, so I'd sort of say we've been on and off for about seven or eight years I think uh, mm. she split from my stepdad who I refer to as my dad in, in 2015 and sort of after that it just blew up it was there was we were just in this constant cycle of she'd do something that would annoy me or that I didn't agree with I'd mention it and it, it would be immediately on the defensive, you know, arguing with me and I'd argue back a little bit and sort of be like, no, I'm just trying to get my view across or, you know, you're doing this and it's making me feel uncomfortable or I don't understand why you're doing this. And she would just argue and argue and I'd just say, right, okay, I'm done, I'm done, don't speak to me. And then, you know, how it is, there's people around you, around you like, oh, it's just your mom, it's just how she is you know you only get one mom you know make mm-hmm. friends with her again you just sort of have to deal with it and I I think I'd got to the point of thinking that that was just a normal mother-daughter relationship and that was just how it was going to be and it, it would just be as constant and I was constantly on eggshells around her as well and just scared to say anything <laughs> like yeah. she did a she did a photo shoot once and I commented on how the makeup artist had done her eyebrows and I was like, oh, they, they aren't great. And she got immediately on the defence and all that. I'm not even commenting on any, anything you've done. It's something that should be a comment towards someone else. And she's immediately. And I had my daughter in 2021, February 2021. And just having her, even, even then, I was scared of speaking to my mom. And... She was very overbearing as well, very much wanted to be involved in literally everything. Mm. And it just got to a point and I was like, this isn't this isn't fair. You know, it's not I wouldn't treat my child this way. And we put like simple boundaries in around when my daughter was born, like not going to the house smelling like cigarettes because my mom smokes. Uh, we have other family members that do as well so it wasn't just a rule for her it was a rule for everyone don't come to the house smell like cigarette smoke you know newborns aren't great with cigarettes <laughs> it's not yeah. good for them she has several health issues uh all long term all like going to be ongoing for gosh knows how long and it so I said you know it's not it's not you but I don't want my child to be having like sleepovers at your house or going on holiday with you or anything like that and then another small one was they had a really old camper van that was literally falling apart. Like a wheel broke off at one point and I said, I was like, I'm not having my child go in there. Yeah. And it was just for, the th- I think she last saw my child just when she was just under three months. And for that entire three months, it was just constant boundary pushing and, oh, well, that's silly, you know oh well what about this and just constantly not listening to me not listening to my husband just not just not great and that was it I just turned around and I was like no I don't want anything to do with you and she argued <laughs> argued and argued for months uh, and then started the court process you see this is something that really baffles me because 
a three-month-old is a child that you it's not like you've had a long-term established relationship you know my my mum had had a long-term established relationship and I can understand that loss when that's removed from her especially in the, the terms of it being a narcissistic source relationship in the terms of it being an enmeshment I can understand I can understand that and rationalize it but this is a three-month-old whose parents you've completely crossed the boundaries of I don't think there's anything unreasonable in saying I don't want my child being taken into a camper van that's falling apart that's going to make me uncomfortable I'd prefer if you didn't have a cigarette before you came over because you stink when you smoked. I can smell it and I don't want the toxins on my baby. You know, how many people will say, I don't want you to hold my baby for something far less than that. I, don't, I just don't want anybody holding my baby. And that again is something that people might have a bit of a, oh, come on. But mostly in a healthy dynamic would respect and would say, okay, that's, that's fine. And it just the entitlement behind feeling that you have a right to access is something that's always baffled me when we talk about grandparents rights and I've, I've often said to people if you put it into a different perspective you've got the same level of closeness as a, a, a an aunt or an uncle can you imagine how weird it sounds if you said uncle rights like exactly you don't have a right to someone else's child and to have access to someone else's child if that person feels that you are damaging or dangerous to that child and it baffles me that people do and I appreciate that people will say oh well you know they took the children away as a form of punishment but if you've already had an established toxicity within the relationship you've already had relentless boundary crossing that's not a punishment that's protection that's it she said to me many a time you're doing this as punishment she said I've used my child as a weapon mm. you know just all those types of things and I'm like no I'm trying to protect her and protect myself as well like it's just yeah the mental health impact of dealing with somebody who feels so entitled that they can totally disregard your boundaries totally disregard your feelings I mean when I think about my relationship with my kids they will say to me sometimes well, that's not very nice and I will immediately sit with it I might I might have to say to them I need to calm down for a bit and think about this but I will sit with it and work out okay was it being unfair there? How can I express my point of view in a way that they will understand that's age appropriate? And do I need to be accountable and apologize here? I certainly wouldn't mock them or tell them that they were just being dramatic or any of these things that we hear so often from toxic parents, because that doesn't serve anything. It doesn't build a relationship. It doesn't build a repair if I've made an error. And it it sounds very much like it wasn't you that was weaponizing the child. The child was a tool in which to get to you and no child should be put in that position. So yeah. she started the court proceedings around a year ago, did you say? Yeah, so so grandparents have, well, I think it's parents as well, actually. You have to attempt mediation before mm -hmm. you can file court papers. Uh, so I did something called a MIAM, which is a mediation, information and assessment meeting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad I remembered to note that down. A MIAM. In March last year, we moved house just before all this started because I didn't want her to know where I lived either. Mm. Um, and it was just after we moved here. I'm just and... going to stop you there, Alicia, because 
anybody who says that they've physically moved house, like physically moved their home, their property to get away from a person and so that that person doesn't know where they live, that tells you the severity of which you are trying to protect yourself from. This is something that baffles me when people can't understand quite how in depth these toxic relationships can go and quite how damaging the mental health impact is. If you feel that you need to physically move home for your safety, that to me speaks volumes. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> all right, that's it. It was, it was other things like the other. The, yeah. Our old landlord was terrible, but it was one of the key reasons why we moved to the area that we did. We mm. moved about 30, 40 minutes away from where we are, where we were. Um, we're still in the same town, but... Um, yeah. And <clears throat> I'd got scared of leaving the house because she did, on the day that I said I don't want to speak to her anymore, she did say, oh, well, I'll just come, come and pick your child up in the morning then and drop back off you after a couple of hours because we were meant to be seeing each other that day and I was just like no I'm done I'm Mm -hmm. done because she was on Facebook commenting about how she can't wait to have my daughter for sleepovers and this that and the other and I was like I'm done (laughs) you're still not listening to me Mm -hmm. why you know why am I bothering so much um and it, it did get to the point where I was scared of leaving the house on my own because I didn't know whether she'd be sat around the corner. Like I, she's not a malicious woman in the way that I don't think she'd hurt me or my child, but it was just that fear that was very rational to me at the time to be like, well, what if she's sat around the corner? What if she's, you know, I'm not good at confrontation face to face at all. Mm. So thankfully for court, every every single piece of contact we have had has been over messages. So okay. whenever they've required evidence, I've just been like, yeah, here, here it is. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I was, and she knows that I'm not good at confrontation face to face. So I was like, well, what if she is around the corner waiting for me and I'm too scared to stand up for myself, which sounds silly when it does come to your child, but I was terrified of anything happening. So I wouldn't leave the house unless I was like with my husband, with my friends or with my dad. Like it was just... And even if I did manage to sort of break through that anxiety and go into town centre or something out out of the house for the day, I'd be looking over my shoulder and scanning the area just to double check that everything was okay. Uh, Like I said, I don't think she should have been malicious or even approached me, but it was still that fear. Um, But yeah, so we moved here. Um, She still doesn't know where we live. Um, it's been marked on all the court papers as a, as a red do not share type thing yeah. um, is that something the... that you specifically asked for for it to be yeah yeah um, I believe she got our she, so she sent the court application off and she got they got our address through the DWP mm-hmm. so it's not something we could have avoided because that was another thing she kept messaging me my husband my grandma and my granddad and my dad saying where does she live what's her address what where where have they moved to and everyone had stood their ground and said no we're not telling you you know she's requested us not to tell you and that sent her even more annoyed because she was like I just want your address I'm not going to turn up at your house I'm not going to scare you like that and I was like well what if you do Mm. you know it was that you can say all you want about, oh, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to do that. And then she turned around. She was like, right, I want your address for court then. And I was like, well, no, yeah. I don't legally have to give you my address because I don't. 
but yeah the dwp gave court our address um so we did the mediation and that was i think the first time that i'd spoke to anyone about it in length that wasn't like my husband or my friends that had been with me along the journey so it was quite hard to sort of recount all of the details and all of this that and the other um and by the end of the call I was in tears and she was like right okay I'll give you some time to think but I do need an answer from you about whether you want to do mediation or not and I was just terrified because I knew that media if I denied the mediation it would have led straight to court um but I denied it anyway I just said no I'm not doing it and by this point I had um spoken to a solicitor which not everyone's going to have the chance to do because it was £120 for a 30-minute consultation. So it's very much a privilege that we were able to do that. But he advised, he was like, you don't have to do mediation. You don't, you know, it's not legally obliged of you. So I denied that and we got the court papers through in on the end, at the end of May. Uh, so she didn't actually file them until the 14th of April. That's what the date it has. The form she had to complete was a C100, which I believe... Sorry, I've got everything all around me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a application under Section 8 of the Children Act 1989 for a child arrangements prohibited steps, specific issue order, or to vary a discharge and ask permission to make a Section 8 order. So basically, what divorced parents would do if they couldn't agree on like a contact order or something it's very much and it is all are surrounded by like divorced parents things like I got this through and it yeah. says guide for separated parents and I'm like I'm not a separated parent I'm still married <laughs> um, so and all the information online that I could find was surrounded around parents or say like if the woman the mom and the dad had split up it would be like the grandparents on the dad's side how to keep in contact with your grandchild if your child has been denied contact with their child and I'm like there's none from like our perspective mm. of the people that want to protect those children organization called CAFCAS which is the Children and Family Court Advisory and Support Service have been heavily involved in this as they would be with any child case we got letters through from them. Uh, we had to have a call with them regarding safeguarding. So they spoke to me, my mum, and then my husband. That was another conversation about what had happened, how the relationship had broke down. Just another, and then a chance to bring up any safeguarding issues, like is there drugs involved, is there alcohol involved? Um, <clears throat> and I remember this one because we did say that she has lots of health issues and that she when we last socially spoke to her she used to smoke marijuana and I reiterated and reiterated please put that I've not spoke to her face to face in you know years because of COVID but you know at the time that I did last speak to her uh, her and her now husband did both smoke it quite regularly alongside cigarettes and they put that in the report, but they must have mentioned it to her because I got a nasty message through saying, oh, I've just had my CAFCAS call, you know, told them that you're both great parents and I love you both very much. Um, I certainly haven't lied to them and called you pot-smoking, mentally unstable alcoholics. And I was like, yeah, because we're not. Like, we don't drink, mm. we don't smoke, we don't do anything, to be honest. We're quite simple people. 
and she was like yeah because they figure out it's a lie and that's you've lied about me I was like well when when you read the report actually you'll see I didn't mention anything about your mental health didn't mention anything about alcohol I literally just mentioned marijuana which I did reiterate was a while ago and it says in the report anyway so got all that done and over with and then the first hearing was called a gatekeeping slash allocation hearing we didn't have to go to that one uh, that was just where the magistrates chat amongst themselves maybe have Kafkas there too um that was on the 24th of June they recommended mediation uh, because my husband hadn't completed mediation so she had a letter saying that she had and I had but that my husband hadn't and he was a respondent in this so they were like go complete a Miami, get back to us if it doesn't work. If you don't contact us within three months, we'll drop the case. And I was like, oh, okay, we just won't do anything for three months then. But she sped that up and was like, got in touch with someone on our behalf and they messaged us. Uh, but we were really busy anyway over that summer. So we didn't actually get around to doing any sort of mediation meeting until about two weeks before the deadline. That one was, once again, talking about everything. Um, Ryan was talking about his side of things. And once again, we just said, no, we decline mediation. She's the type of person that will say whatever you want to want to hear her say, which I can imagine is the same for, like, you or anyone else. You know, they, they say what people want them to hear. They know how to sort of do that but did their actions don't match up and I was like look these events in my my daughter's early life they match up to the fact that she says things she says what you wanted to hear but then she doesn't do it mm. so I was like mediation won't work for us because she will just say what what mediation wanted to hear and I don't think that that's going to be backed up by anything she might even do those things for a couple of weeks but yeah. then we'll still be back in the same situation. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't have escalated this much already. But just her refusal to acknowledge anything was led to about nine months of arguments before she filed court papers. Uh, and it was just constant, can I see your daughter? Can I see your daughter? No, why? You know, I sent her pages and pages of messages explaining everything that was wrong and how I felt. And I was met with... I didn't do that. Mm, complete gaslighting. Yeah, and even things like she'd called me the most spiteful person she knows. And I was like, I'm not being spiteful, though. Mm. I, and she was just being very nasty to the both of us. Like, she full named me at one point, you know, Alicia Chloe Newton, how dare you? And I was like... I'm not a child. I'm, 20, I'm 26, not five. You know, she told my husband off for swearing at her. And we were like, he's not your child. And also, why is it an issue? Like, I think he'd said, like, why are you fucking threatening court? And she went, mind your language, young young man. And he was like, um, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's very much keeping you in that, just trying to remind you that you're the child in this yeah, situation, isn't it? it? 
elder in this situation and because I'm the elder therefore I should get my way and you must because there there has to be legitimate reasons beyond just maybe the odd sour bit here and the odd sour bit there for you to feel that you don't want her to have contact with your child and you've said that you've you've sent her pages and pages of explanations surely at that point is the time to step away and say okay I respect your boundary I respect how you feel about this I truly hope that we can move forward I'm deeply sorry for any way in which I've behaved that's hurt you and I understand maybe you need a bit of time away to see my behavior reflect what I'm saying here but I'm going to give you that space with all the love and respect and hopefully at some point you'll feel that you can reach out to me and we can rebuild our relationship but there there is no There's no attempt to respect the boundary and that's the problem. And if you feel as a parent that you don't want someone around your child, you have every right to say that and to say that you're not it's not allowed, it's not happening. (laughs) It's it's quite simple. Like it was just constant. I think the longest she left us alone for was maybe a week. Right. So we had months and months and months of this arguing and then me being like no this is how I feel you know you keep disrespecting this boundary and pages of how how she made me feel and it was just met with you know complete walls of defensive no I didn't do that I'm not like that Mm. you know um calling me names calling I don't think she called Ryan names actually she was just very adamant of not being apologetic at all she'd done nothing wrong Mm. um she even went as far to say I'd been disrespecting her boundaries since I was five uh in retaliation at one point but yeah so there was about nine months of that before all of this started and it was just I was exhausted I I was scared of looking at my phone I ended up blocking her on a couple of things but I was still scared of looking at my phone in case she'd found another way to message me and yeah so even just before she started the court court proceedings she sent me a very long sort of message with kind of threatening undertones of you know depending on the magistrate I will get what I want from court they won't care if I smoke before seeing your daughter they won't care if I take her out in my camper van they won't care if I even take her to Wales on holiday for a week when I have my contact and you know on the surface it's not a threatening message it's not like oh well this will happen and but to me, with the way she'd worded it, it was a threatening message. Whether she intended that or not, I don't know. But it was threatening. It was, you know, that last-ditch attempt of, well, if if we avoid going to court now, we'll, you know, I'll still get what I want regardless. Mm. And I was like, but you won't. Like, I'd spoke to my solicitor and he'd explained there's no such thing as grandparents' rights in the UK. There's no legal binding. So when she went to the magistrates, was that was that the part where, because I know when it comes to grandparents' rights in the UK, you can't just apply for a contact order in the same way that perhaps a parent would. So you have to apply for permission to yes, apply for a contact apply order. For leave of the court first. Yeah. Was that so, what they were doing with the magistrates? She'd not actually spoke to a magistrate at this point. She <laughs> was just trying to scare us into, well, depending on the magistrate, I will get what I want. But yeah, so we'd 
completed the Miami just before the deadline. So obviously she did get there in time to say to the court, you know, they've rejected mediation. Uh, so they scheduled a hearing for the 16th of November, um, which would have been, I think it would have been called a contested hearing. I've not got the paperwork for that one with me. Um, but that would have been the first hearing where we had to go to court and sit down and speak about everything. Um, we have to do statements. There was the option for my me and my husband to do like a joint statement or do two separate ones. My solicitor felt it was best for us to do two separate ones because mm. we wanted to tell the court how much this had affected both of us mentally and even to the point where I now have to take anxiety medication because it has affected me that much. So he was like, you know, I feel like it would be easiest to get both of your points of view across to the court separately rather than just well we are a joint force in that we feel like this Mm. it was very much Ryan write down how this has made you feel Alicia write down how this has made you feel and I do feel like that was possibly the best way for us to go um having a solicitor write out our statements with us was the best way to do it because the court appreciates certain language basically and appreciates certain set outs and layouts and things Uh, my mum got the same she got a solicitor to write hers or my solicitor thinks she got a solicitor anyway because he was saying there's language in this that I would have used if I was on her side so we got our statements through we were due to go to court on the 16th of November but then that got vacated due to lack of resources uh, so that was delayed then until January the 3rd of January which was the first day back after New Year's and Christmas and we were like right okay we get Christmas without any issues any panicking um we all had COVID over Christmas anyway but oh no <laughs> um, yeah, <I> <laughs> um yeah so we went to the, th- the hearing on the 3rd of January that was the leave hearing where she had to make her reasons for why she believed she would have been granted permission to make this application um my solicitor I feel like made some very strong arguments she didn't have any representation with her she just represented herself but they granted a leave regardless granted a leave and was like right we'll have to get Kafkast to do a section seven report I believe section seven report and Kafkast then had to have calls with me my husband my mum and then they had to come to my house to meet my daughter. And then our hearing was the 24th of April, which was Monday, just gone. And that would have been the hearing of sort of, right, this is what we're doing. So we spoke to Kafkas and the woman we spoke to, honestly, I feel like hugging up. She was so lovely. Yeah. Um, Kafkas are social workers and she, she did say sort of in situations like this, people can be scared of them or a bit unnerved around them because of the fact that they're social workers but she was so lovely the report she wrote was lovely she said like she loved my child Um, yeah and she ultimately made a recommendation of no contact between my child and my mother so we read that and we were like right still a, a, a magistrate could decide to go against that so we weren't trying to be like going into court you know oh we've won already So we went to court on Monday, just gone, and that was the opportunity for my mum to make counterpoints regarding the CAFCAS report. She made quite a few. Is this done in person then when you've gone to the court? So did you do the magistrate's hearing in person? 
Yes, so the and hearing on the 3rd of January was yeah. in person. We had to go to the court. That um, must have been incredibly stressful for you to have <laughs> not just yourself. And um, I'm assuming, did somebody else have baby with them at the time? Yeah, or did baby yeah, come with you? Yeah, my mother-in-law had baby for that yeah. day. So that's that's great that you had someone else to be able to be there as well to look yeah. after baby for you. Because um, it must have been such an overwhelming situation to see her. And I know from my experience with my own mother, there's those looks that can be so triggering, even without them saying anything to you, just the sort of, for my my mum, it's a, like a sort of smirk and a look down her nose as if, you know, hmm, I've got one over on you. And it, it even just the look, it's yeah. our, our triggers uh, and our emotional processing starts way before we are verbal. We know this through psychology. So that's why those looks, those small little noises have such an impact on us. And to have to sit in a court, that must have been incredibly stressful for you. And then knowing that you have this recommendation, but still then having to go to court and listen to all of her counterpoints, that must have been really hard. Yes, the first hearing was quite hard because I'd not seen her in months. Mm. And I did have to make quite an effort not to look at her because I was like, I don't don't want to, you know, get one of those looks. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, so the second hearing, I was very much, once again, I'm not going to look at her, I'm not going to look at her, um, but we were sat a bit closer this time because of where my, my solicitor wanted to sit, he wanted to sit. So we were looking at the magistrates rather than on an angle, mm-hmm. um, just to be a bit easier to address them. Um, but yeah, so we'd gone in with that recommendation and we were both feeling a bit hopeful, but not 100%. And so she went through all her counterpoints and some of them, I was very much like, uh, no, magistrate was lovely. He very much reminded me of Judge Rinder. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> he was very pointed and very much like, well, this is this is your option. Uh, and he, after all of her points, he was like, so have you read the entire report? And she was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, so have you seen that the last point is the recommendation of no contact then? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, because of who Kafkas are, we have to bear weight on that. There's a lot of, you know, it bears a lot of weight in court for a social worker to say, no, no contact. Mm. Um, So he was like, you know, whilst you are making all these counterpoints and things, Mm. I do still have to hold in high regards that a Kafkas officer has met your daughter, met your granddaughter, seen messages between yourselves and still gone "Mm, no so she didn't seem pleased with that anyway um so he explained to her her two options and she didn't have representation for this this hearing either her two options were uh her last legal option would have been a contested hearing which would be a long day at court because these both these previous hearings have been less than two hours um the leave hearing I think was about 90 minutes and the hearing on Monday was just under an hour um so you said your two options are here's your last legal option a contested hearing which would be a long day we'd have to get Kafkas to come in uh, which would be the, the same Kafkas officer that completed your report um we which it's hard to get Kafkas into court so it could be months down the line maybe even a year there's no specific timeline to it. It depends on their availability. And it would be an opportunity for her to pose questions to Kafka on what had, what had been put in the report and then 
pose questions to us and we'd have the opportunity to pose questions to Kafka and her at the same time. But he just didn't paint it in a very good light. He was basically saying, but Kafkas will still be there and Kafkas have still made this recommendation of no contact. So it's not a guarantee that you will get any contact. It's just that last little opportunity for you to have that chance to try. Or, and he, he even said, he was like, I personally think this is the more mature option. As you're the applicant, you can withdraw your application at any time. Mm. Uh, so your second option is to withdraw your, withdraw your application and hope, hope that your daughter would want to rebuild your relationship. He didn't mention anything about her seeing my child. Right. He said, hope that your daughter would want to rebuild your relationship and then see how it goes. Mm. In so other words, just... you being a bit of a twat, knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just met very much, well, your daughter's the one that you need to rebuild yeah. the relationship with, you know, because she kept saying, oh, well... I can have contact with my child at various family members' house, all of which I've spoke to, and they've said, no, we won't. Mm. Um, so first of all, uh, and then obviously there's the option of like contact centres and mediation centres. And she was like, well, they wouldn't have to have a relationship with me. They could just drop the child off there, leave, and then I can come in. You know, they wouldn't have to see me. They wouldn't have to have any sort of relationship with me. So that should ease my daughter's anxieties. And I was like, well, no. My anxieties aren't about seeing you or having a relationship with you. It's about you having a relationship with my daughter and having that toxic relationship in her life. She's got so many family members that could fill the grandparent role. Mm. We've got my my mother-in-law, my dad, even like family members, their mums yeah. absolutely love my daughter. Friends, other extended family members she's got so many people that love her that this grandmotherly love isn't anything different um there's something quite yeah now I'm gonna say it. there's something quite insidious about demanding a relationship with a child that you don't know have not had a relationship with purely for, for what because if it was me my child would come first and foremost and I would want to build a relationship with them and repair that and respect them as parents and then build a relationship with my grandchild but the primary concern and the primary goal would be to have the relationship with my child and what I can't understand is uh, who in their right mind would want a, a, a child that they don't know that they've not had a relationship with, that they've not built a foundation with. And again, it was a different situation for me. I could understand why my mum would want that with, with my children yeah. because she had had that experience. I also understand that her motivations were narcissistic sources and a, a sense of control around me and a sense of emotional abuse and someone to feed those needs that she has. But I could say, okay, yeah, no, there was a relationship here. And I can see where she's coming from, that she's sad that she no longer has that. I don't I don't think that that's right for the children and that's the primary goal. But equally, why would you ever want a child to have to go to a contact centre unless it was entirely necessary for that child to see somebody and not just on your basis of a want for, I want to show off as a good grandma? That's it. The funny thing is she went through the same with my biological dad when I was a child 
she stopped contact with him she stopped contact with his mother so I didn't see him or my grandma on that side for a while they had to go through court but because he was my biological father and on the birth certificate he got granted contact which did start in a contact center yeah (laughs) Uh, because she refused to be in the same room as him but by that I think by the point that she stopped contact with him, I, with him and my grandma, I was about to 18 months to two years old. So I had an established relationship with them. And I mean, I didn't, I still didn't recognize them. I don't think when we did restart contact, it took their legal process took about two years, I think. But yeah, I, I was that child going into a contact center to see someone that I didn't know. And I didn't want that for my child. Uh, I have a great relationship with my biological dad now, but it's still it's not 100% and mm-hmm. I don't even refer to him as my dad and it was just it was that enticement as well and that she thought she could get around what I was saying by taking me to court that the court would tell me off for daring to keep her grandchild from her she doesn't have a relationship with me she's said in court she in not so many words she doesn't care yeah about my mental well-being she doesn't care she doesn't have a relationship with my little brother either. She um, moved house last year herself to a one-bedroom flat, had no space for him. So he now lives with my stepdad. Oh, wow. he, do- he hasn't spoke to her for six months, maybe longer. <laughs> he wow. hasn't spoke to her since he moved out. And she doesn't care about the relationship with her children anymore, as far as I'm aware. You know, she's tried to reach out to him a couple of times, but who would want to speak to their mum after essentially being kicked out? And they had a very strained relationship as well. Like, and even it got to the point with him where he stopped speaking to me for a little bit because he still lived with her. There was, I think it was when I declined mediation, she was crying all over the house and he just deleted me off Facebook and deleted my number and said, as far as I'm aware, I don't have a sibling. And it was, I think for him, it was that sense of self-preservation of Mm. I don't want to have connection with that person because I don't want her to mind me about it we're great friends now Mm -hmm. (laughs) all is all is made up but it was very much for a time that relationship was lost that manipulation and alienation of you because you weren't falling in line I think it was very much you know I've recently actually gone through everything with him and a a lot of things he's gone mom didn't tell me that Mm. she told me that you did this and you know she didn't tell me anything about that and I'm like see you know what I mean he even bless him he even said if you need me to I will come to court and even even tell tell them that she doesn't speak to me um so it was very much he'd got past that manipulation and finally sort of seen my side of things but yeah so court gave her two options we adjourned and I was like she's gonna pick the contested hearing it's fine we'll just do it again and court is a very expensive process mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I don't want to do this contested hearing but if I have to I have to uh we came back in and she went very much to my despair uh, I'm picking option two which was to leave it and the magistrate went right just to confirm because they record it all but like, just to confirm it for the recording option two is to withdraw your application she went yeah and he went right all done (laughs) and yeah he just went yep this is all sorted this case is no longer a case uh he said he'd email my solicitor with some like closing things and I think like a summary of that um hearing but then yeah that was it all sorted 
so we we won essentially without actually winning uh, I still say we won because it felt like yeah. a victory mm. um, but yeah she withdrew her application um, as far as I'm aware I, I asked my solicitor this afterwards I don't have any le- legal obligation to um, speak to her if she does try and reach out I can just say no no thank you and then yeah I have no like legal ob- ob- obligation <laughs> to uh, speak to her see her allow any contact between her and my child um as far as I think as well if she did try and restart the application it'd be by down at the first hurdle of the leave hearing because she withdrew the application this this is a voluntary action she could have gone for the contested hearing but she didn't want to she yeah. chose to withdraw so um very much yeah I don't think there's anything she can do now <laughs> I hope there isn't anyway. (laughs) Do you know what your options would have been if she'd have opted to go for the contested hearing? Or in fact, if the court had turned around and said, well, actually, we've got Kafka's contact. uh, Kafka's have said you can have contact and it's fine. Do you know what the process is then? And then if you do, because I think we'd spoken before on Instagram that you were very nervous about it and you'd not quite got to the point where Kafka's had said no. And what are... What are the steps, do you know, if she can get the application approved? Can you fight it still? As far as I'm aware, yes. Uh, at any point, we can appeal it. Mm. Uh, we could have appealed the leave hearing, but it would have cost significantly more in solicitors' yeah. fees. Um, like I think for the last hearing, it was £900. For the appeal, it would have been 2000 Wow. But then that still had the option of going to the directions hearing that we've just gone through. So it still would have been 2000 with maybe 900 on top. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't 100% sure that the appeal would go through, um, but he was like, I am willing if you want to. But I was like, no, I don't have that money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so as far as I'm aware, if Kafkas did recommend contact, we would have to um, sort of come to some sort of agreement but we can appeal at any point. And I believe as well, because there's no law, I don't actually think it's legal but legally binding. If we were to breach the contact, I don't think they would have been able to do anything apart from take us back to court. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if we went to the contested hearing, it would have been very much more ramped up. Um, and they would have had to sort of make us come to some form of compromise, mm. which we were, we would have been willing to do, I guess, to avoid just going around in a circle of no, no, no. You know, it's just we would have had to come to some sort of compromise, I think. But obviously we didn't. But yeah, the contested hearing would have been very much more of like a serious thing if Kafkas did recommend contacting their reports so they would have avoided a contested hearing. We would have had to hash out in that court what contact we wanted, what conditions we wanted, whether they could uphold any conditions because I don't know whether they can. Mm. Um, I don't know whether they can say to her legally, look, no, you can't take her in the car, you can't smoke before mm. seeing her if... if Alicia and Ryan assume any of those things have happened they will be able to withdraw the contact but 
I'd like to think I would have been able to, considering we're both parents. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, we have the parental responsibility to say to anyone that, that cares for our child, no, you can't do this with mm. them. No, you can't do that with them. As long as we're not mistreating the child anyway. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, we can't say to someone, don't feed her all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think as long as all her needs would have been met, we could have hopefully been able to hash out any sort of boundaries and say no you can't do this or mm. you're not allowed to do that but I'm not 100% sure on that <laughs> yeah it's a really difficult one isn't it because obviously for yourself you've got the result that was necessary for you and you've got the result that you were hoping for I think in an ideal world it would never have got to this point and my understanding is while it's not uncommon for grandparents to be granted leave to petition the court it's actually quite uncommon for grandparents to win their case unless there is some really serious reason in which for example the parents perhaps um, had problems with alcohol abuse or the parent is perhaps posing a danger themselves to the child or it's they've separated from the other parent there has to be a very specific and proven documented reason for the grandparent then to be given the right to access to the child yeah, as far as I'm aware, um, I'm in a couple of groups on Facebook about things like this. And I've seen in some cases, even with children like similar age to yours, where grandparents have gone to court, they've only been granted like Zoom calls once a week, mm. um, regardless of the fact that they had an established relationship. If, you know, once they're over a certain age, they do speak to the children and ask what mm. they want obviously my daughter's too so she doesn't have that cognitive ability yet um but they do speak to the children and ask what they want so your children would have example been able to say no I don't want to see my grandma or yeah I would like to see her but maybe not too much yeah Uh, so maybe they would have been able to hopefully have that have that bit of control um but yeah I've seen quite a lot of cases of you know well, they did get granted some sort of contact, but it wasn't much. Mm. It was Zoom calls or an hour of contact and it wasn't to be upped or anything like that. Mm. Um, like my solicitor did, he was quite good in managing expectations and he did say they're probably going to grant leave. Because mm. the, not so much problem, but problem is that a lot of magistrates are of that grandparent age. Yeah. Uh, they were all very sort of you could tell that they had grandchildren or they were of the age to have grandchildren and he was like that kind of bad but it does feed into their decisions Mm. but this court on Monday were a lot sort of regardless of whether they were grandparent age or not they were a lot more sort of lenient towards our case Mm. it was looking at the facts isn't it then as opposed to going with Oh, I'd be gutted if I couldn't see my grandfather. And I hear that a lot on TikTok. People say to me, I would be devastated if I couldn't see my grandchild. And I'm like, yeah, sure, Sharon, because you're not abusive. Like, yeah. I don't know what you want from me in terms of if you don't treat your grandchild in a manipulative way, if you don't encourage them to lie, if you don't badmouth their parents, if you don't do all of these things that cross boundaries and then turn around and recross the boundary and then trample all over it, then you're probably going to have a healthy relationship with your grandchild. And that's amazing and no one would seek to take that away from you but when it comes to someone who is trying to protect their child from a toxic relationship it's a whole different ball game and you can't allow your perception of your 
relationship with your grandchild and the same as with parents when people say to me oh it's your mum yeah no it it was your mum and that's amazing (laughs) and you had a great relationship I don't have that privilege I don't have I'm not that fortunate and it totally changes the whole situation and I think you hear so often of people kind of projecting their own experience of oh I'd really miss my grandchild or oh I'd really miss you oh this is so sad but actually in reality it's a totally different relationship that's founded in abuse and that's founded in toxicity and that is going to be damaging to that child which is what really matters at the end of the day yeah that's it like a lot of the court process is centered around the child um and how the child will be affected and she tried to argue that my child was actually a victim and she was a victim and my solicitor was like can you you can just see the lack of insight in the fact that she keeps returning to herself in this you know she isn't a key part of the child's life whereas we do have to take into account the mother's mental health the father's mental health because they are the key caretakers of this child and you know they were saying like as much as the mother does try her best if her mental health isn't good it's gonna affect the child regardless of whether she wants it to or not like it's just um and yeah (laughs) yeah and you don't know what's said to a child especially as they get older in those small periods of time where they are with that grandparent even if it is a zoom call you don't know you know a lot came out for us after we'd cut contact with our mum of incidents where the children had been encouraged to lie to us or that we'd been badmouthed to them they'd been told oh you know you they don't love me or it's uh mummy's um mummy's a a bad person to me this kind of thing you don't know what's said to your child and that's not something that we've been very careful not to badmouth to simply say that her behavior was hurting and was not acceptable and my oldest has got a bit more information than that because he is of an age where he can understand it and he asks more questions and that's great uh, that we can have that open honest conversation with him and he can share his experiences and his feelings with us but when everything first started we were very keen not to badmouth to simply lay out this is what's happened this is why it's hurtful and this is where we won't have contact and I think there's a real power in not doing that in not badmouthing and there's a real detriment in somebody who is actively badmouthing and actively trying to cause a rift in the relationship between the parent and child and that no child should have to deal with that from either side and that's where you know when the toxicity is there because there's no care that that shouldn't be something a child should have to deal with it's just these are my feelings I'm angry about your mummy not complying with what I want therefore I'm going to tell you what a bad person she is it doesn't work that way it's so difficult for a child to navigate yeah exactly and especially with my daughter being the age that she is you know she's not going to have that sort of comprehension for a good couple of years now so if they did start contact my mum could be saying whatever she wanted to to her and she could be planting even in the early days planting those ideas in her head of your mummy kept me from you for two years your mummy's not nice to me your daddy's not nice to me Mm. and it would have given her that extra bit of control because my daughter doesn't doesn't know the difference yeah you know she's too she wouldn't have been able to say no mummy's nice daddy's nice you know no they didn't keep me from you she wouldn't have had that comprehension to retaliate 
or even ask us questions about it she would have just been like oh that's what grandma says okay mm-hmm. and then that would have been that seed planted in her head of doubt regarding me and her dad when this shouldn't be you know we're, we're good parents we try our best mm. it's really it's such a yeah it's such a difficult situation and I think overall the overarching theme of it all is entitlement it's that yeah. entitlement to another human being an entitlement to disregard one who isn't being compliant with you in favor of jumping onto a child who you can now go on to manipulate I often think there's a lot to be said for people who will target younger individuals be they children or be they younger people because you know you can manipulate them you know yeah. that it's a fresh source of a of, of, uh, a fresh source for you whereas your child's yeah. perhaps wised up to it and gone this isn't going to work for me we're cutting contact a younger child is not going to do that and it's just an opportunity to restart the process of emotional abuse and as parents it's our job to say that ain't gonna happen yeah that's it it's our job to break the cycle and go no yeah no I'm done I'm done with that I don't want to do that anymore uh you know I gave her so many opportunities to reflect and so many chances to apologize to me or even just compromise with me she didn't the one time she did apologize to me she my husband asked for an apology on my behalf she then messaged my stepdad asking why I was so angry and he said to me, he was like, can I tell her? And I was like, no, I have told her. She's got pages and pages of messages from me. So she just sent across the very generic apology of, you know, I love you both so much. I'm sorry that I've, I'm sorry if I've caused you any hurt. Mm. And I was just like, no, it's not genuine. No. And then two days later, it was, right, can I see your daughter? And we were just <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, even like at new year just gone um oh can we start afresh next year and I'm like no <laughs> 24 hours does not make a difference yeah. it's <laughs> and, a consistent you know, change in behavior isn't it and accountability yeah, for that's it. it you know and I think if she did show a consistent change in behavior I would have been more than happy but we did explain to her once she started the court process that we would be going at it with all that we had and would have made sure that she wouldn't have been able to go anywhere near our child you know we we said we were more than happy to before the court process we were more than happy to reassess in a couple of years or see how things went on and she just didn't like that it wasn't instant Mm -hmm. um so she's pushed and pushed so far that she now actually doesn't have any contact and no opportunity for contact in the future obviously if my daughter turns around and says I want to know my grandma I'll facilitate that relationship but I don't think she will (laughs) no I'd be very surprised if she did it's, it's a person she doesn't know exactly it's a person she doesn't know it's a person she doesn't have a relationship with and I think there's a misconception that we need those relationships you don't need a relationship with a grandparent there are so many of us whose grandparents had passed away before we were even born and we're not lacking in something there we're not missing out in something there because we didn't have that grandparent relationship because we find those relationships in other spaces as you've said and that's really important to acknowledge is that you're not depriving your child of something by cutting out a toxic grandparent what you're depriving them of actually is abusive relationships that's it there's there's nothing special about a grandparent that makes them 
so different in what they're able to offer a child you know my child gets love in so many different forms Mm. from so many different family members you know it doesn't you know an aunt doesn't give a certain type of love you know an uncle doesn't uh you know it just it's not a specific type of love that only one person can give yeah um but yeah she said many a time oh you're depriving her of a grandparent's love and I'm like well no she doesn't I'm not she's got three grandparents still in her life you know it's not as if we're hiding her away from everyone she has so many people in her life she's got my aunt which is she's a year younger than my mum so if we want to argue on an age perspective she still has love from a person of that age my uncle is a couple of years younger than my mum same again quite a lot of my grandparents are still alive thankfully so she has great grandparents who have settled into the grandparent role and if there was anything specific to offer from that role she's already getting it anyway from my grandparents yeah you know she's getting a lot of insight and influence and love from different roles that you know are gonna shape her into who she's going to be and she doesn't need a toxic relationship in that mix you know regardless of how much my mum will probably argue oh it's not going to be toxic I'll do everything the best for her it's just it's it's weaved into their personalities isn't it it's weaved into their regardless of whether they want it to come out or not it's weaved into their personalities of how they're going to be um yeah so it's just it's that sense of entitlement isn't it if well, you're my child, so I should be entitled to your child. It's like, well, no. Yeah. No, that's not how it works at all. Alicia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about everything that you've experienced. And I'm really sorry that you've been through that experience. And I hope you can find some peace moving forwards now that you know and you have that weight lifted off you that she has been denied the the win, if you like, in that court case. And that actually the right result for you and for your family and for your daughter has been made. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that that was really helpful for anyone who is going through this situation. And as always, my DMs across social media are open. Um, I'm at Toby and Rue or unfollowing mum. I hope that people found that as useful as I did and that they have some hope if they are going through it. Uh, that the right decision can be made if it's the right one for you and for your family. And that at the heart of these things, there is a child whose well-being is the most important thing. And that's what counts. And sometimes the courts do get that one right. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I've been Harriet Shearsmith and together we are Unfollowing Mum. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.